build a good quality content strategy and get serious about the content that you're building. And I know you've probably heard this a million times. People always say content is king. It's always been king. That's always been the case for marketing. Marketing is content. That's never been anything but that. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to talk about SEO, but we're going to cover a couple different angles of SEO that we haven't talked about before. And one is the new user metric that Google's using, the number one metric, which is user engagement. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, testing keywords and then artificial intelligence and how Google is now using this as a key part of their algorithm, or not their algorithm, but the determining factor of how you your website and my website gets ranked. So my guest today is Jeremiah Smith. He is the founder of a company called Simple Tiger. It's a boutique digital marketing agency that specializes in SEOs for startups. So for the last 12 years, Jeremiah has helped companies like segment.com, Shopify, NBC, MTV, E-Trade, LG, and Sports Illustrated to see significant gains in their search results, organic traffic, and revenue. During his time growing Simple Tiger, Jeremiah has seen firsthand how clients have been um, unsuccessfully burned by other agencies or in the past confused by misleading SEO strategies. The SEO industry is plagued with lots of smoke and mirrors, black hat techniques, and a lack of transparency. Jeremiah's mission is to open up about what many other SEO marketers and agencies won't share, the best practices and frameworks that actually work. So people ask him, well, why share this? And he believes that transparency is much needed in this industry where confusion runs rampant. As a fully distributed team, Simple Tiger has helped venture-backed startups with everything to lose all the way up to the largest companies in the world get on the first page of Google. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to SEO like some would have you believe, but it, there's a simple and effective right way to do it. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome Jeremiah to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, welcome to the Real Marketing Podcast. I am super excited to talk to you today. Uh, SEO is, uh, I think, a hot topic or has been a hot topic, but it's most often misunderstood. So I'm hoping, Jeremiah, you can shed some light on uh, what, you know, what are the opportunities for us as business owners or VPs of marketing to help our businesses be found and grow? Yeah, thank you so much. And, and and first of all, thank you for having me on the show today, Doug. I really appreciate it. And you're talking about a subject that is deep, near and dear to my heart. So search engine optimization is something I've been doing for over 12 years now. And it's something I'm very passionate about. I educate a lot of companies on it. And yeah, so I've, I'm excited to dive into kind of a, you know, maybe a framework to explain to your listeners uh, how I see SEO working generally, not spend too much time on that, and then just kind of dive into some of the newest stuff that we see going on in the space right now. So why don't you start us out with where we're at today? 
Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, SEO, just to give everyone kind of a brief, quick understanding, 10,000 foot overview, SEO, I, I really see it being made up of four major components of activity. We see keyword research being the first part. We got to figure out what kind of keywords we want to go after technical structure and audit stuff. So making sure the site is, is technically organized, it's structured well, good server configuration, things like that, because that's how the search engine is going to access your, your website and, and that's going to work properly. Uh, also, users want to get a good experience while sitting on your website. And if things are broken or loading slowly, that's going to hurt your users. So it's also going to hurt you from SEO, which I'll get into in a moment, how user engagement plays into that. And then the next category is content. Content strategy is a really big component in search engine optimization. Whole idea there is that ultimately you've got to be providing some kind of content because that's ultimately what people are searching for. You know, even if I'm looking for a product that I want to purchase, I'm not just looking for the product, I'm looking for information about the product, images of the product, things that are going to convince me to purchase the product. And so content comes down to that. And then the next and, and final category that we look at is what I call offsite. Offsite typically refers to links pointing back to your site in most cases. Um, if you're a local business, then business you know address citations and stuff like that start to apply where your name, address, phone number show up all over the place. That helps Google trust you more. But uh, that that's kind of a rabbit hole itself. But uh, links are really a, a big part of SEO and have been for a long time. They've recently been kind of usurped, though, by uh, some new metrics that are pretty interesting. So I would like to kind of get into this this new metric of, of where we are right now. So to answer your question, Doug, there's your, there's your backstory on SEO. But where we're at now is Google is now looking at something called user engagement metrics as the number one ranking factor, meaning it's the strongest thing that influences the way your site's going to rank in Google. Uh, so what is a user engagement metric? What does, that, what does that mean? When somebody searches a keyword on Google and then they click on, let's say, your site, uh, maybe your third or fourth position in Google, and they click on your listing and they come into your site and they look at your site and they see the content and they start to scroll and they're reading and they click a few buttons and they go to a couple of other pages and they highlight some text and they continue reading. That user is technically what we call engaged. So they're, they're engaged with your content. They're clicking through, they're moving, they're looking at stuff, they're spending time on the site a few minutes maybe. Whereas if they perform the same search in Google and they came to your site and immediately, let's say the site was taking a long time loading or it looked ugly or the content wasn't relevant to what they were searching for and they quickly click the back button or just close out the tab and get away from there, then that's a poor user engagement metric. They were very unengaged. It did not please them, right? It did not connect. Yeah, yeah. The, the content did not connect to the search term that they, they searched. And then Google is monitoring that real time and deciding real time if your content that they showed is relevant to the keyword that their searcher searched based on that user engagement level. And so the more engaged a user is for a keyword that they searched on your site, the more Google thinks that your site is relevant for that keyword. And so that is now uh, playing into Google's artificially intelligent engine and helping them make the decision on what's actually going to show up, which I can get into much deeper. Well, that's that's super exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to this. So I don't know what listeners, what you guys think of that, but I'm thinking, wow, as a marketer or as a business owner, if people aren't engaged in your site, it doesn't matter where you rank, 
they're not going to convert and buy it. They're just going to bounce off or, or not find what they're looking for. So this really is a win-win for the business owner to make sure they've kind of got their ducks in a row and they're meeting the expectation and the needs of their visitors. And they get rewarded uh, for doing that by Google. Exactly. That's what excites me so much about it. It puts the control back in the site owner's hands um, and in the business's hands. And it also rewards those who are creative, who are thoughtful, who are listening, who care about their customers, who are empathetic, and who know how to answer tough questions. I mean, this is all stuff that the tiniest of tiny businesses and, and small consultants and site owners can do that big brands can also do, but big brands have to put work into it just like you do. And so it's a level playing field, which is part of why I got into SEO to begin with is I saw it being something that was not necessarily the same as advertising. Small companies could pop up in Google just as well as big companies and steal market share. And so that's exciting. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that, you're right. I mean, it's really been, a, you know, it's leveled up the playing field. And I think sometimes if the companies are too large, they may be built on a platform or they've got all this legacy data. So it's a huge amount of work to convince them to to reorient that and then to actually implement it where a smaller site that maybe has 100 pages or so is going to be a lot easier framework to change. Exactly. And then when you weigh into that, the other, you know, commonality that we tend to see is big brands sometimes have a harder time of listening to their customers than smaller brands do. And I think it just comes with the nature of of the environment and, and the company. I mean, you think about being in a massive family. <laughs> if you if you're in a huge, you know, family of a, a friend of mine's in an Italian family and it's, you know, 150 people at every family get together or whatever. And wow. it's loud, you know, it's loud <laughs> madness and everything. And it's so much fun, but oh my gosh, you can't even hear yourself think. So uh, people don't get listened to there, right? <laughs> so. nope. and, if, and if you're not quick, you're not going to get fed either. Exactly. <laughs> so it's where funny. do you see things moving then? I mean, um, you know, we've got this world that's changing just a breakneck speed. And we've got uh, every time I turn on my computer, there's a new, a new tool that's uh, saying, hey, do this and we'll get your clients. So where do you see this moving with SEO? Yeah. So with SEO, I, you know, we have seen a, a shift in the past couple of years. It was it was almost like a silent shift where, oh man, 20 years now, Google has been using pretty much the same algorithm um, and has just been making updates to the algorithm and adding little, you know, bolt-on tweaks and hacks and fixes to that algorithm. And it's great. It's really cool. But that algorithm still works as a very cause and effect functional item. Like it takes in a set of inputs and just based on its calculation, there's your output. Simple as that. That's pretty rudimentary. I mean, that's, that's to a degree kind of a calculator, right? It doesn't actually do any thinking on its own. It doesn't do any analyzing on its own or anything like that. Well, within the past couple of years, uh, Google has just kind of silently swapped out their algorithm engine, algorithm-based engine with an artificially intelligent engine. And to a lot of people that may sound abstract and they may be like, well, what's the difference? Isn't that the same thing? Or or what does that what does that really mean? An algorithm sounds like artificial intelligence to us because it seems so complex and it oftentimes can be. In the case of the Google uh, PageRank algorithm, it really wasn't that complex. Basically, it just looked at how pages around the web 
connect to each other and link to each other and uh, shared authority with each other. And then the flow of that authority was where the optimization came into play, where we need to clean up your site and make it to where if you get a link from Forbes.com, the authority of that domain flows into your site really well. And then Google can access it. If the keywords are there, you're going to rank, you know? So that was, that's like circa 2007 seo right um (laughs) which is when i got in around the time i got into the game so it was easy back then by the way because we were playing with a you know real simple calculator but now what we have is an engine that is actively thinking analyzing monitoring a variety of different items and at any given moment you might not know just on what level you're being graded you don't know if, if if it's looking at your link authority. You don't know if it's looking at your content uh, or or what. But we do have some ideas based on some of what we've seen. And so this is what another part that's fun about SEO is anyone who does SEO is constantly trusting their ability to reverse engineer probably one of the best engineered robots in the world. And by doing so, then figuring out what people ought to do to, to play with that robot. And so... What we're doing is we're noticing things like I I said a moment ago, user engagement metrics are now leading the show. Well, for 18 years, you know, since probably 1998, uh, Google had links being the driving force of ranking in Google. And then about two years ago, we started seeing a shift where links suddenly started having some really weird effect where you could have really strong link authority, but someone with no link authority at all could come up and just outrank you. And that was really weird, really strange. And then we started seeing that happen more commonplace and more naturally for everything from generic head terms like men's suit all the way down to like very long tail terms like Hugo Boss black pinstripe men's suit. I use those examples all the time because they're just easy to grab on <laughs> yep. to understand the difference of any marketer could look at those two and say, I want that second person. Whoever searched that second, that's the one I want because they're ready to buy. So we've seen a shift in that because this artificially intelligent engine now is like i said monitoring user engagement metrics it's learning our tastes it's paying attention to what we're doing and to be honest it's following us at such a high rate of speed that it's trying to then be able to predict and forecast what we want to see and show it to us before we even ask for it Um, and that's what elon musk alluded to in in a documentary i saw in the topic of artificial intelligence he was talking about how google now as you start to type in a question it it answers the question for you before you finish typing it because it knows enough about humans and and what we say you're probably asking me this question you know it's it's assuming a lot right so it's a little it's a little creepy a little scary to some people but really we don't need to think of it as something that is outside of us thinking about us as much as it is something that is being fed by us like we are feeding it that information. The only reason it's able to give us that answer is because of how many of us have told it that question and then have provided the content that answers it. So it's just copying and mirroring our patterns and what we're doing. So that ought to that ought to get your most keen marketers who are listening to, to get their ears to perk up a little bit. It's listening to you and it's going to give your users what they want. You can play with that. You can work with that. That's exciting, you know. Well, I mean, they're doing the same thing now if you're a G Suite user. I mean, you get a, you get an email and before you respond, I click in to read your email and it's already given me um, several suggested replies that I could just click on and hit reply. Right. Yeah. That's a little scary too. <laughs> so with the with the AI, the way that it, it's working, is this, is it 
focused, I don't know how to ask this question properly. Is it focused on the user experience on the site or is it focused on the user who's actually doing the search? So is it learning from me? So what am I typing? What am I looking for? What are my habits? And really what am I trying to articulate in my search? Is it making some, is it helping me search better or is it working on the site side or both? Uh, it's definitely both. So uh, it starts with you though, and it's most concerned with you. It's least concerned with websites because while it might sound crazy, there's a very finite amount of humans on earth where there are an infinite amount of websites being created. We've got machines creating websites now, just turning stuff out at a cliff that humans can't do. And at the end of the day, they're only as valuable as the people say they are. Right. So Google is more concerned about the people for sure than they are the websites in their index. And that said, what you can then expect is how you interact with any Google product or any anywhere you're being tracked by Google is going to inform Google on how to better give you an experience. So what I like to do is just to a large degree, let go and kind of trust Google. A lot of people are afraid to do that in my space. And a lot of people don't, <laughs> don't trust Google in my space. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. I understand why <laughs> I see why they don't trust it. Yeah. It's just a style actually that I prefer to play with is, is trusting Google and see where it gets me. And it's worked really well for me. Some other people who are, who like when, when Google rolls out a, an update, they'll, they'll make an announcement and some people in my industry will say, well, that's not really true. That's not really what's happening. What they're saying that, but that's political speak for this. And it's fun to hear that because I'm like, ah, you know what? They're right. Like that's, they, so there's always fun banter about whether or not to trust Google and, and things like that. But really it, like I said, Google is trying to follow us and customize the world and the web to our tastes. And the reason they're doing that is it's in their mission statement. You know, I'm, I'm a, big branding guy. So when it comes to branding, I trust a brand to do what they say they're going to do. And boy, do I force them to uphold it if they start to break those <laughs> rules, because that's the key to branding is you are making a promise. And if that promise is not being kept, you do not have a good brand. Simple as that. You're, you're a liar and nobody wants to be a liar. So with Google, their mission objective early, early on in the 90s was to organize the world's information and make it freely accessible. So it's a very simple, simple mission objective. They've done a heck of a job. The way that I used to explain it to people, because I'm not an SEO guy, I said Google just wants to provide the best experience for the user. So when you, when somebody's looking for your company product or service and they type something in the keyboard, Google wants to make sure that what they get is the very best result based on what they're searching for. Right. Yeah. The experience is huge uh, in, in Google's eyes, but uh, but it's not, it doesn't just stop there. The, the experience specifically for Google, uh, see, in a brand statement, in my mind, every single word is critical, every single word. And one of the words in Google's mission statement and, and their brand promise is information. They want to organize the world's information. So a lot of people focus on the make it freely accessible part but they don't focus on the information part. And so then when they talk about, like, let's just talk about for a moment, Google versus iPhone or Apple, you know, Google versus Apple in terms of phones. Well, if you want a phone, like a physical phone, I think the iPhone's fantastic. I've, you know, everybody's got their different preferences. Totally cool. Everyone's valid in that, in that argument because this is a preference thing. But when it comes to data, information, Google all day, right? I mean, if I'm going to search anything, it's not going to be an Apple product. Like the app stores, you know, okay, um, using Apple Maps is all right, but Google is way better at data. And so their, their whole thing is 
information. So making the information freely accessible to people. They are also learning a lot about what user experience is, but they're still using information to do so, right? So they don't just have incredibly intelligent engineers that know exactly how to engineer the best user experience for you. They have engineers that know how to test to find the best user experience for you. Um, I recall a test where they were running click-through rate assessment on a very large scale of all ads on the entire Google network, which is, I mean, it is hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of ad click revenue per year, like ton, I mean, billions of dollars per year in ad click revenue. And so what they were doing is in this particular test, they were testing over 200 different shades of the blue that you click on on the link on the on the Google ad, um, they were testing that that blue text. They were testing different shades of that over two hundred different shades, and they quickly determined through just a couple days of testing that this one shade of blue got them the highest click through rate. And so they just changed all their ads to that color blue, and it was it was that simple. You and I didn't notice it because yeah. two hundred shades of the same blue. I mean, oh my gosh, I could never detect all that. But well, that's what's so cool. I mean, you know, I talk lots of times with uh, different marketers and we've interviewed several marketers in our podcast. We talk about testing and the fact, you know, the reality is you need enough data to test. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes people are going, well, I don't have enough data. It's, well, it's simple. You're going to have to spend some money in advertising to get enough people through your site. So there's the mm -hmm. example of, like you said, they, they control all this, all this data mm -hmm. and they can make a change in a couple of days that, you know, something that we as, as business owners or marketing guys just couldn't couldn't test we couldn't get enough people through the site to make that decision exactly yep and uh, i love that suggestion you said it in like one brief sentence that i wish so many more marketers would capture and understand that, that we talked to you need to run some ads to test some data to to get some intelligence and then apply that intelligence in areas that are much harder to test like for example seo we're talking a lot about testing and SEO because we're kind of forced to now with this artificially intelligent engine. I may tell you that this, this keyword needs to go in your title tag and then I do the same thing on my site and it works great for you and it fails for me. Well, that's strange. That never happened before. But with an artificial intelligent engine, it does. So now we have to test stuff. Well, SEO is hard to test in because it takes a long time. The results are slower. They are organic. So you have noise, right? We don't necessarily know what influenced that change. And so it's a little tricky there. So I'm often steering people into, well, if you don't know enough yet to be dangerous with SEO, then we need to go run some ads. And my agency, unfortunately, we don't do ads at my agency. So I steer clients to uh, to other, you know, paid search uh, avenues and stuff like that. But yeah, I think that that's that's the the direction things are are going. If you're not testing, you're not marketing pretty much nowadays. Yeah, and it, that applies uh, in so much, you know, so, so many different medias. We talked to somebody just about doing some joint ventures, and, and I said, well, before you want to go pitch somebody on doing a JV and sending out your offer to their list, you better you better know your numbers for your sales funnel and how it converts because they're going to want to know how much money they're going to potentially earn. Well, mm -hmm. so you know, spend like you said, spend some money. So are there are there new tools or are there tools that you guys have developed or something that's proprietary that allows you to do this testing and take that data? So if I'm doing a multivariant test on uh, maybe a, a couple content pages to see which is converting higher. Mm -hmm. How do you take that learning and how do you guys implement that and give that feedback to the business owner? Sure. So because what we do is so uh, human oriented to begin with, and and we drank the Kool-Aid many years ago that, that we need to provide something that is sensational to the user. 
if if we go under that guise, then it's much easier for us to actually usurp a lot of testing when it comes to content and links and things like that and go straight into just hard recommendations because we've we've got enough data to to make really clear decisions without enough data you really are just kind of guessing so for us the the data and and what we are what we're testing and learning on is actually at the keyword research level so once we figure out a few things at the keyword research level execution from there on is very straightforward for us um, it's very black and white we we then take those keywords we look at well what's ranking you know, let's just ask Google and from there get a really good idea of what what users are enjoying and what Google is enjoying simultaneously. And so then we say, OK, well, now we know what what people want to see. Can we outdo what's already been done with our content? Can we do it better, you know, um, in our category? And so that's really, you know, testing is kind of almost our foundational element. And then there is this new area of testing that, that people are playing with. that's really exciting to watch where within the SEO realm, you're testing implementations on your site to see which one gives you the best lift. And a couple of examples of this are uh, Distilled is a company that has a product called ODN, Optimization Distribution Network. And I'm not paid to suggest this. They're actually a competitor agency to us, but I'm happy to bring their name up because they're doing really cool stuff and they're an awesome company in the industry. So their tool, the ODN or, or ODN, it actually allows you to test a, a multivariate scenario of different SEO best practice implementations simultaneously. So you put a bunch of things out there as as tests like title tags, for example. Let's put three or four title tags out there for this one page, and let's see which one of those gave us the best lift. Um, and then once we have an idea of which one gave us the best lift, that's our new title tag. And then we apply that same philosophy to the other pages of the site, and we start seeing a net lift, ideally, uh, throughout the site. And then let's go back to the drawing board and do that again with other elements on the page. And so uh, that's that's what ODN is working on. They have a competitive product or a competitor out there called uh, Rank Science, which is one that we're looking into using that's just a, a tool for SEO companies. And it's really good, does the same kind of thing. It's more developer focused, I would say. It's probably a little harder to use, but it it looks really, really good. And yeah, a lot of what I'm hearing about it, people are making some great gains with it. Well, that's really cool. I mean, we've done multivariant testing for say ads and landing pages. So if we just take, take a look at the landing page as separate, I mean, mm -hmm. the, that, but we never thought, I, I never thought of the title tags and the SEO side. It was always about, always about, okay, try this image versus that image, try this, this color versus that color, this text versus that text, this shopping cart versus that shopping cart, and let the computers figure out which one converts higher. And so now what you're saying is while that still all exists from a human conversion, now you're looking at the metrics of what's going to give you the highest lift based on what we can't see, which are the title tags and meta tags, the descriptions and, and the keywords. Right, exactly. Yeah, it allows you to test stuff that for a long time have just been sacred cows in the industry. And it's really funny because through doing that, people have actually shown that they are just, you know, they, they're, they're not they're not what we thought they were. You know, this best, <laughs> this best practice for the long time was title tag needs to look like this, meta description needs to look like that, heading needs to look like this. And actually, uh, Rand Fishkin, who's kind of the founder, one of the founders of Moz, he's like... Uh, 
I mean, he's the the wizard of Moz is what they call him. So he taught me so much about SEO just through his blog. And he actually recently said that uh, best practices used to be a thing, but now the new best practice is testing, A-B testing. And that's that's painful to hear. I got to be honest, but it's so true. We actually have to be testing now, which is a lot more work, costs a lot more money, a lot more effort. You have to staff people. You have to have processes for it and everything. But boy, is it effective, you know, and it's, it's, it's the direction things are going because with this artificially intelligent engine, you can't as easily predict things. You kind of have to put stuff out there, see what it likes, and then go that route. Well, especially in the ad space, I mean, I've talked to a couple of guys recently that are talking about AI for designing ads. And and so I was looking at, you know, how does that affect our business and our clients? And, and what are the, you know, the, what's the upside? Where's the the potential threat? And the reality is that the, the old concept of us sitting in, around a boardroom and coming up with a strategy and going, this is your strategy. Now we're going to go to market is gone. Yeah, It's more like, okay, so this is the basic strategy, but in terms of execution, we're going to use AI to develop a thousand versions of this ad, and we're going to apply money to every one of those versions, and we're going to let the computer figure out which one converts. Right. Yep, exactly. I mean, it feels like we are exploring the ocean to a degree, <laughs> and it's like we come across all these new creatures all the time and on all these weird physical forces that defy the laws that we thought you know, uh, nothing could defy and stuff like that. So it, it, it feels like that sometimes. And part of what's fun about that is that it is new all the time. And so if you're just getting into it, you're not as far behind as you might think when you hear someone like me who's been in it 12 years. I've just so happened to have developed a relationship with Google to where it's, you know, I, I kind of have that closeness and that kinship with it that it's easy for me to kind of understand it in a more intuitive way. But there are things going on with Google that a brand new person this year into SEO could learn and immediately be effective and compete right alongside me. So it, that makes it fun. That makes it kind of democratized to a degree. Well, I want to shift gears because I took a look at your site and before we started recording, I, I told you that I noticed a couple things that really stood out on your site that I haven't seen in SEO or an SEO site until I looked at yours. And that was uh, link building and digital PR. And I've never seen the two of those put together in the same sentence and never seen them uh, like that on a, you know, a company that provides the services that you guys do. So do you want to expand on, you know, w what is that? Yeah, absolutely. So Within SEO, we you know we briefly talked about link building and how that's kind of one of the one of the strongest effective ranking factors and has been for a very long time. It's you know it's not the strongest anymore, which is kind of sad to say, but at the same time I totally understand why. But regardless, so link building really comes down to having other sites uh, that are relevant to your site linking to your content and helping establish you as an authority figure on that subject. That's kind of basically what you're doing with link building. Um, there have been so many different tactics for ways that people build links around the web that have been played out and all this kind of stuff. And if you think about it for a moment, really, uh, yeah, it all makes sense to get links from other relevant sites. That can't be too hard because you're just talking about placing a link. But you have to remember that the gateway to get these links on these other sites are the people that control those other sites. Yeah. You have to somehow get them to go to the site and add a link. And it's got to make sense and be relevant and not hurt them. And if then you think about the fact that they may be getting approached by, uh, you know, thousands of people via email every day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a bit exaggerated, but uh, that's how I feel. I swear. Um, <laughs> then, then it, you know, they get worn out, and they're not going to link to anybody, and that's just not going to happen. And so, so 
people have come up with all these crazy tactics to build links, everything from, you know, forum links and just mentioning your brand name over and over again in forums to going on other people's blogs and just writing comments and linking your name to the, the website to all these just crazy tactics, private blog networks and all this stuff, link wheels. Ugh, it's a mess. It's, it's, it's garbage because it's all an attempt of businesses to try to systematize doing this part of what of what leverages against a, a ranking algorithm getting your site up into the to the rankings and so by systematizing that too much what we've done is we have spooked google off into well let's just go into artificial intelligence land and really piss everyone off <laughs> and so so great job marketers by abusing link building so much so what i've what i've found uh is that if we go back to the good old-fashioned thing that still works with human beings then it, it actually works really well for link building as well and that is pr you know if i get the right people to say the right thing about the right product and, and they just so happen to have an authority about that product or about that business or in that industry um, then it matters. It matters what they say. And if I'm able to actually say something compelling and, and give it to them and they can, they can mention that and cite me as the source of that information, then it's a very legitimate uh, multi, you know, three-way win. So the user wins because they got the information for free by reading the publication. The publication wins because they get the view and the, the ad credit for the ad they showed when the view came through. So they're getting revenue from that. And then the actual business that they link to themselves get the credit because guess what that actually matters in the in the ranking algorithm that this link is pointing in because people are going to follow that link and come read it and it's going to help user engagement at the end of the day so people are going to be engaged with this kind of line of thinking and this series of content links so we've just found that pr is just the the no bs method for building links and for for helping clients with seo at the end of the day at least you're getting pr right? Yep. Worst case yep. scenario, you're doing PR. Best case scenario, you're doing PR and dominating organic search. So for us, that that just works extremely well. And it's not, it's something that's easy for me to sell because it's, you understand it, you get it, it makes sense. And then it's for, for some people, they've kind of slapped themselves in the head and said, that's so obvious. Why didn't we think of doing that a long time ago? I'm like, yeah, no, it's like, it works. It works really well. Um, the only difference is that you've got to make sure that the information that you're providing is within context, of course, which you're going to do, you know, you're probably not going to try to talk about something outside of your industry on your blog much. Yep. And then, so, so that's one part. And then the other part is that you've got to have some kind of information that's going to be sensational or enjoyable or desirable to an editor or, you know, a, a contributor at a publication. So that they're going to grab that piece of information and say, yeah, I want to include that in the story I'm telling. And then they go ahead and, and link to it. So that's, that's what you've got to make sure you're doing. And so long as you're doing that, it's going to work out swimmingly for you. Yeah, no, I think it's a great approach. I mean, uh, we've um, we've used PR for ourselves and our clients over the years, and I, like I said, I've just never seen somebody, you know, in your space say, "Hey, this is a good this is a good fit to kind of tie in your SEO, take advantage of this." It's not you know one thing does all the heavy lifting, but it's a it's a number of things that help uh, help move the sales dial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think one little tip on that. So if you're if you're hearing this and you're like, "That is brilliant," I'm going to get into it. I want to do it, and then you're thinking, but where do I start? How do I, how do I do it the best way? How do I do it right? 
we like to control all the dots in the game so that we can connect them ourselves. And so a link is definitely two dots having to be connected, but, but the dot on your end is your content. And that's something you got to be really careful and responsible about and take very seriously, build a good quality content strategy and get serious about the content that you're building. And I know you've probably heard this a million times. People always say content is king. It's always been king. That's always been the case for marketing. Marketing is content. That's never been anything but that. So that said, make sure that your content is something that is going to be desirable to the editorial publication or something like that, so that when you do that outreach, your likelihood of getting a good link is better. There is a very marked difference in the performance of our clients that come through for the ones that control their content themselves, but don't really buy into our good content strategy or something like that, and just kind of go their own direction with producing whatever they think about or want to write on their blog versus those who really give in to a good content strategy. Whether they write the content or not, I'm not as concerned about. You know, we we produce content, but our clients do too. It all comes down to a content strategy. And if that strategy is really good and you're answering those legitimate questions that users are asking Google in the form of a keyword and, and stuff like that, then it's going to be much easier when you go pitch that to a publication for them to say, yeah, that's a good piece. I will link to that. You know, so you have to think about them too in that regard. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, in this case, the, you know, the publication. So, you know, looking at your site, some of the guys that you've worked with. So if it's Entrepreneur Magazine mm -hmm. and I'm pitching them, they're going to go look at my site and see what sort of content have I produced. Is this a, a site that they would want to be associated with? And if the stuff I've got up there is stuff that I've, I've outsourced that's just poor quality and there's no value there, they're not going to engage. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So in terms of SEO, working with, you know, companies, whether it's an um, owner operator or you're working with somebody in the marketing department of a larger company, how much is done for you and how much is the, is the actual company doing? So, you know, if we're to work together in a project, um, how much work do you do and how much work are you going to, or how much instruction are you going to give us to make sure that we're, we're, you know, supporting what you're doing and not making it more difficult? Sure. Yeah. So as an agency, we work with all, all sizes and types of companies in the SaaS community specifically. Now, I've worked with all different types and sizes of companies, generally speaking. So everything from media to e-commerce to retail stores to local businesses to professionals, everything. I've worked with everything. But now we just work with software as a service or SaaS companies and we just do SEO. So we don't do anything else. Now, in order for that to work well, what we've seen is that what's going to determine how much we do versus how much they do, which is definitely going to affect cost, that requires them to have people in-house. And those people are usually a developer who can implement technical recommendations we have, a uh, content person who manages their content at some level. So whether that's on the blog or the whole site in general, whatever, somebody who manages their content and, and, and gets content produced and then, you know, if there is a social person, somebody who runs their kind of organic social elements, so not talking about running Facebook ads, but actually managing Facebook, like uh, answering people's questions that pop up and interacting with people and sharing stuff, things like that. So if those three people exist on the client side, we're going to have a real strong project that's actually not going to be too expensive to be honest, because they're going to be carrying a lot of the weight. We're going to be giving them a whole lot of stuff that they can do. But that's about, I would say, a little less than probably 50% of our clients. The other 
at least our clients that have maybe you know a developer on on contract or something that can help implement stuff uh, but they don't really have a content person or they have a content person but this person doesn't get content produced as much they kind of just keep things cleaned up and and edited on the site but they're in charge of other stuff in the company too. So they may be more of a general marketer. So they can't just own content all day long, which for some companies can be a full-time job for real. So what we do is we actually have a team where each one of those people exists on our team and they, they exist at a real strong consultative level. And so we can kind of be, you know, we can kind of rent them to you a little bit, you know? And so, so our, so our content manager comes in and lays out a content strategy for you, works through it with your content team or, or, or person. And ultimately, if that then needs to be executed, you want content produced. Um, we staff writers through hiring subject matter experts in our client's industry who also write. We give them a creative brief and we walk them through. Here's how you write for this client. Here is what they want to say and here's what they do not want to say. You know, like this is the stuff we need to focus on and everything. And these are the keywords to use. And here's the strategy. And then that writer goes off and produces a piece. We review it with the client. If they love it, it gets published. And so that's most cases in regards to content. It's kind of 50-50 whether or not we write the content or they write it. But when it comes down to the PR component, it's almost 100% us. Very few companies actually want to want to manage their own PR or do that in-house. And it, it makes sense. It's not easy. Uh, you got to be a pretty big company <laughs> and have a really good grasp of how to manage a PR effort in order to do it internally yourselves. Uh, it also doesn't necessarily look good for you to be doing your own PR all the time because it looks kind of like you're always asking for something. Whereas as a an agency, we're in this kind of lucky third third point of view where we can, first of all, make sure that you, client, have the good content that will work so that we're we're removed enough from the problem that we can tell you that this is a problem and you need to fix this content. So then we get that fixed. Then I can go and easily pitch that to a, to a third party, you know, a publication or something who's then going to link to you and start that relationship because you indeed do have good content there. Um, so we just find that that works better. Well, and that makes sense, especially in the PR side. But, you know, there's there's two sides to that. We've often worked with smaller businesses that are local and and we give them direction to do their own PR because the local media don't want a PR call, firm calling them. That's typically not where they're at. They're looking for <laughs> local stories, local angles. Hey, look at the, what's happening in the community. But certainly looking at some of the brands that you guys work with in PR, if you don't have experience, it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough road uh, to, you know, to go down, take a lot of time to get it set up. Yeah. And that's where, you know, when we made the shift to working with just SaaS companies, a lot of it had to do with, well, a lot of different reasons, um, actually. But one of the one of the reasons were that we had developed such strong relationships with so many people in the SaaS community so that when we bring on a new client and we've got a story to tell and they've got the good content on their site, guess what? We've got relationships out the wazoo. And we yeah, can, we I mean, can they, trust, they trust you. Yep. Yep. And so we're going to pitch something. And if we're going to pitch it, it better be good because we have a reputation <laughs> with these publications also. And so I, I have actually gotten into discussions with clients. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to do PR for you 
on these pieces of content because they're not good and I have a reputation to uphold. So um, if you're not going to get serious about improving your content on your site, you're going to lose me as an agency because I'm not going to hurt my reputation, you know? And so they see that and they, they really listen and that they, they invest. And in. that's a very rare scenario, by the way, um, SaaS companies and the clients we deal with by nature are just so cool and so awesome. So it's, it's really fun work. So I want to respect your time and, and uh, I could have this conversation for a really long time because I'm enjoying, uh, uh, I'm, I'm learning, taking notes at the same time. So listeners, I hope that you're picking up some uh, some good tips and some ideas on how you may want to rework or rethink your uh, your current strategy. What's one of the things you're most excited about in the next six, six to 12 months? Oh man, actually, this is, um, this is funny, but we are, we're working on an online course that we're putting together. I'm going to start teaching people uh, basically how to do what we do as an agency because we talk with a lot of companies that just, they've got the heart, they have the capability, they just don't have the know-how to to do what they need to do to get to the point where they can afford to pay us as an agency. And I know that if we could just teach them, they would get there and then they would trust me and then they would be primed and ready to come in and be one of our best clients. And so I see this opportunity to put together this online course to teach people SEO and specifically SaaS companies. And so we're working on a, on a SaaS SEO online course um, with me as a teacher, and I am stoked about that. That's my big goal for 2019 is to launch this online course and start getting people on it. Well, that's super cool. Uh, and I would extend an invitation that when you're you're at that point that we should have another conversation. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd I'd love to. So, what's some of the bad advice you hear in your space? Oh man, too many people are still using private blog networks. A private blog network, by the way, is when you know, let's say me, I, I go out and I buy a bunch of blogs or I build a bunch of blogs and each one is on a different subject or, or maybe they're all on the same subject if I want to be a, a niche private blog network. But the whole idea is that these are different domain names that all link to each other and they're all these blogs and they, they link to each other. And then I, as the owner of this private blog network, I go out and get links built back to my blogs. So I pay for those or use other blog networks or whatever to establish my blog network as an authority kind of team or, uh, you know, kind of mob. And then I take, take that private blog network and I start pitching it to other businesses and say, hey, we can get you links on these sites right here. Um, it costs as much per link, that kind of thing, and start selling links in an effort to, to help them with SEO uh, or under the guise of it being an effort to help them with SEO. But those private blog networks are a mess and they're a scam. And so I see a lot of uh, that kind of stuff going on. We have to be really careful and shield our clients from that because a lot of clients are receiving those kinds of requests, especially when they start doing really good content assets. Uh, when your content gets better, that people get hungry because they want to sell you links because they're like, this is going to be easy. This is going to make us look great because we're linking out to these awesome resources. We'll never get caught, you know? Um, and so <laughs> Until you get caught. Until you get caught. And yeah. so, yeah. And boy, you, you may not even know you got caught. And it, it just really, really hurts. And so we see a lot of that happen. That's very frustrating. I see too many SEO companies stay focused on just the technical aspect. Um, a lot of people still think SEO is technical. I think SEO nowadays is less technical than it's ever been. There was a time when I could just literally clean up your HTML code on your site and you would rank better. That is not the case nowadays. Uh, I'm not going to say technical is not useful. It is still very useful. We do technical audits for clients all the time. If your site doesn't load, guess what? You're never going to show up in Google. So technical is still important. 
but it's got its place. You hit a plateau in SEO performance with technical very quickly, whereas with content links, you do not hit that same plateau. So uh, I would say if your SEO agency is constantly harping on technical stuff, hit them up with some questions about content and links if you're not happy with the results and just see where that goes. And where do you see the industry going with AI? So with AI, I really think that our, I, I'm hopeful that our index is going to get better and that our, you know, what we get from Google is going to get better because I think that they're listening better. I think that where where Google is concerned, we're going to be learning a lot more about people, uh, kind of in mass. I'm excited about that. That's that's kind of scary and exciting at the same time because of you know the stuff that happened kind of last couple of years of Facebook and everything out there. There's a lot of AI going on there as well. So I think AI in in so far as search is concerned is fun and exciting. I think AI outside of that is very scary in certain realms. Uh, it's powerful and awesome in some areas, but it's also extremely dangerous <laughs> in other areas. So yeah. two last questions and I'll let you, I'll get back to serving your clients. Uh, who's one guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast. So I'm sitting here thinking about this. I, I really feel like uh, my good friend, John Doherty would be a great person to have on your podcast. So John is the founder and CEO of a company called uh, Get Credo, uh, getcredo.com. Really cool guy. He's been in the space as long as I have, if not probably longer. And really interesting, comes from uh, a lot of the same kind of background stuff as I do, but then also has some really interesting and fresh perspective on things. I think he would talk about a lot of stuff that I probably didn't talk about here today that, that's really interesting. And so he's worked with some huge brands and has a great experience. And I, I think it'd be cool to hear what he has to say. That'd be awesome. So where, where can people track you down? Where's the best place for them to find you and, and uh, you know, reach out aside from your website, which um, just before you answer the question, I just want to give a, a quick shout out. I noticed um, a really interesting button. So if you go to Jeremiah's website and look, there's a note at the bottom that says, read a quick note on our integrity. So very cool that you guys are very transparent and clear about how you operate and how you work with your clients. So over to you, where can people track you down? Yeah, thank you for that. I'm I'm happy you discovered that little nugget down there. It's like an Easter egg on our site. We should make it more prominent probably. But yeah, so uh, yeah, you can definitely, I mean, you can reach out to me through our website, simpletiger.com. But uh, I'm on Twitter every little once in a while. Um, I'm more in monitor mode on Twitter. I read a lot. I, barely, I very rarely interact. I'm not a typer, a writer as much. I speak a lot. I talk a whole ton. So uh, <laughs> I'd say hit me up on Twitter. It's Jeremiah C. Smith on Twitter, or you could follow us at Simple Tiger on Twitter. Um, that's always a great way to get in touch. And then um, obviously your website. Yeah, yeah, our website, simpletiger.com. And again, we are focused on doing just SEO for SaaS companies. Um, if you're looking for anything else, you know, anything that's close to SEO or, or you're a company that is not a SaaS company, you know, I, I've got places I can send you that I highly recommend that I would personally make introductions and stuff. So um, let me know. But, you know, if, if you're a SaaS company looking for SEO, I mean, that's our space. So we're the, we're the people for you. Well, super cool. Hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate how generous you were with your time and the information that you shared. Awesome. Thank you so much, Doug. Thanks for having me. And I really enjoyed it. I'd love to come back sometime. 
So there you go, listeners. If you are in the SaaS space or know somebody who is, now you've got uh, somebody you can refer out. And then we'll be looking forward to the online course coming to teach you uh, how to get started as uh, they train you up to be good clients. So thanks for tuning in. We look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers, as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.